like to welcome our listeners to season three, our year three of the Comfort Monk podcast. We're excited to be uh, doing this again for y'all. And uh, I think we've got some really exciting uh, new people going to be on the, the podcast this year, including today's guest, Nick Thorburn of Islands and the Unicorns, who uh, Dylan was lucky enough to get to sit down and talk to. Dylan, what, what, what are your thoughts on Nick? How did that go? Man, it was great. I think, um, you know, the two of us were both kind of running on a little less sleep than normal that week. So we kind of, um, you know, like, I think we had to both kind of get our mojo going, like get our, get into our, like his stride. So the, it took a couple minutes for us to both kind of wake up, but once we were, man, he was just incredibly gracious as a ghost, uh, as a ghost. <laughs> he was just incredibly <laughs> gracious as a guest. Um, and yes, I mean, I'm a huge fan. I love the unicorns. I kind of got turned on to them when I was maybe in late middle school. Um, and uh, really love those Islands records too. It was fun getting to listen to the most recent one of his, which is called Isla Mania, and kind of hear some of the backstory of that. But yeah, mostly I'm just, you know, glad to have such a gold star guest as our first for year three. I mean, we're, uh, you know, we're making up for a little bit of lost time here, but we're excited to be back at it. And I can't think of a better guest than Nick for the for the first episode of this season. But thank you guys for sticking with us all this time. And uh, yeah, hope you guys dig it. This is our chat with Nick Thorburn of Islands and the Unicorns. Thank you, guys. Enjoy. I'm excited to chat with you, man. Uh, you know, I've been kind of following your art for a long time. I think it, uh, I think I was in like middle school when a kid I was friends with was like, you got to hear the unicorns. It's if you like Modest Mouse, this is like way cooler than Modest Mouse, <laughs> which was a hilarious way to introduce somebody to a band. But, uh, you know, I've been a fan ever since. I'm really excited to chat with you, man. Oh, awesome. Thanks. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know exactly know where I want to begin, but I think one thing I'm pretty curious about as far as your kind of artistic uh, story is, you know, you've kind of got your foot in the door with a bunch of different things. You're, you know, you're, you seem to be pretty passionate about visual art and, uh, you know, obviously music, but I'm kind of curious what sort of became a, a passion of yours first or which one you feel like you kind of latched onto first i mean drawing was definitely the first thing as a young kid something i i did um i was kind of a solitary kid i guess i spent a lot of time alone didn't have many friends and was just kind of quiet and i found that sitting and drawing was like a kind of safe place a safe kind of uh, protected space to go into and just let my mind kind of empty, I guess. 
Um, I've always found it relaxing. I still do, you know, I can sit and draw for hours and just, just let my mind, you know, go <clears throat> kind of at ease. So that was definitely the first, the first form of creative expression for me, I think, as a kid. Um, then I got into film stuff and uh, in high school, it was a really rinky dink um, audiovisual class in my high school. And they had, you know, they had the weirdest, like most ancient editing, video editing um, machines. And they had some handy cams and I got into making little short films and, and stuff and, and then went to film school in Montreal and was actively um, interested in pursuing that uh, as a, as a, I wouldn't even say career. I would just say a, a main um, expression, I guess. But at the same time in high school, I was, I met Alden from the unicorns. We, he was a year or two younger than me. And, uh, you know, he showed up to school the day I met him, the first day of school, he showed up in a skirt and I was like, this kid is cool. He's, uh, he's definitely outside of the, the lane, you know? So we, uh, so we kind of connected and he asked if I played music and I totally lied and said, yeah, I play and he said, oh, I have a basement with some gear. Like, you should come over. We should jam. <clears throat> and so he was like, bring your guitar and we'll just, we'll rock out. And so I showed up. I had no guitar. I didn't play music. I wanted to. And um, I just, I said, oh, I forgot my guitar. I don't have a guitar. I forgot my guitar. I forget what I said. So I just decided, I was like, I'll just sing, I guess. Because <clears throat> that's what I kind of wanted to do anyway. And so we put a little band together which eventually became the unicorns. And, uh, and that was kind of the beginning of it all. And he was, you know, he was really um, supportive. I, th I admitted pretty quickly, I think that I had no training. I had no musical um, understanding other than, you know, listening to music and liking music and wanting to participate. And uh, he was really supportive. And we, we, uh, we wrote songs together and, and put a band together that, eventually <clears throat> the long way around became the unicorns. And then we, you know, that by that point we, we I had moved to Montreal, he followed and uh, we kind of got our start out there across the country. We, we grew up in <clears throat> on the West coast of Canada on Vancouver Island. Okay. That's what I was just about to ask man about, you know, I know you ended up in Montreal, but you know, in Vancouver Island, did you feel like you had kind of, were there a lot of creative things happening around you or was it kind of one of those towns where you're a little starved for it? And it makes starved. you kind of, yeah, I can, I can relate. Um, yeah. Where'd you grow up? Uh, Georgetown, South Carolina, which is kind of like maybe like an hour from Charleston. If you've heard of there, um, okay. yeah, I've been there. pretty, pretty middle of nowhere in, in a lot of ways, but it was near the beach. So that was cool. But Good. I think the board of boredom can be, pretty useful thing you know it can be a good motivator. yeah exactly but i'm glad you guys got you know got out of the town and, and kind of were able to blossom more i feel like uh you know I don't, I don't know i'm trying to get a grasp of so this is what is this like 
early 2000s we're talking? Um, I graduated from school in 99, and I think he graduated in 2001, maybe, maybe 2000, 2001. So, so, and there was another year before he came, but we, we started, we started, started um, writing unicorn songs together in the winter of 2000. I think that was when we were like, put the name together and we spent a couple years, you know, just recording when I would come back, I'd come back to BC for the summer and work a summer job and we would do recording and stuff. And, um, and then I convinced him in 2002 to come to Montreal. And then we, we started making our first record and, uh, but yeah, we were starved in, 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 Growing up in, in Campbell River was the town, tiny little town, not a not a good scene, not a big scene, um, not a lot of culture, a really beautiful place, but really and, and some ocean too, like very, very beautiful nature, but no culture. So we um, yeah, we had to find it elsewhere. And there was little punk shows nearby um, that we would go to. That was like a big lifeline, I think, was going to see these punk shows for $5 with touring bands that were just um, kind of grinding it out. And that, that kind of, that definitely sparked, uh, sparked something in us, I think. Yeah, man. Um, I guess, you know, I always kind of wondered about, you know, what it's like in these different, everybody's got their own little microcosm of whatever small town environment. I mean, I guess, you know, some people grow up in the city, of course, but you know, I think that there's a lot of interesting things that come out of towns that kind of starve you like that. But then you see somebody making it, like you said, those little punk shows or something, and it kind of makes, you know, a light bulb turn on to maybe not about where you stay and more about where you go kind of thing, you know? Yeah, totally. Totally. It was aspirational. Yeah. So on those early Unicorns records, is that your artwork on the cover on, on some of those? Yeah, all the art. <clears throat> from the band was mine um t-shirt designs and album covers and stuff we i was drawing all that stuff um you know it, i mean i always loved to draw but it was it was also like oh i'll just do it and it's we don't have to pay anyone you know that's cheaper yeah life hack kind yeah. of best of both worlds yeah we didn't have so any- obviously obviously when you're like touring I, I mean i know at those points you're you're a little more heavy on the music side of your interest but if you're not on the road do you feel like you're kind of what's the balance like? Are you are you pretty even on your uh, the amount you lean into your various kind of artistic pursuits, or do you feel like it's a little heavier in one direction? I mean, now or back in the day? Um, yeah, I guess a little bit like kind of more so now is more the question there. Yeah, now I mean, touring is well, obviously because of COVID pandemic um touring is ground to a halt but also i've i've just slowed down touring so much since um since those days like the 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 aughts or whatever uh i was touring a lot a lot um that first those first you know seven or eight years was a lot of touring all the time on tour um but I've since slowed down considerably, but um, yeah, I, oh, I love to have like a a pivot foot, you know, where I'm able to, um, 
you know, when, when this thing slows, slows down or when this project's wrapped up, I have something else to, um, to pursue, whether that's a, a, you know, a graphic novel or a screenplay or a short story or, or whatever, just some form of some way I can get, get, get an idea out, um, or working on the, on a new song or a new record or something. So, yeah, I try to always, always have something going, some iron and some fire. Yeah, man, I find it pretty inspirational, especially like seeing where you've, uh, you've kind of got this whole new side to your expression. Uh, I mean, not, you know, failing you. you've been doing it a while, but uh, where you've been doing a lot of this like scoring work for uh, you know podcasts and things like that. Like, it, it, I did not realize until the other day that that serial podcast theme is yours. I was like, I've heard that a thousand times. I never put it together. But yeah, um, you know, that's kind of really, I feel like, you know, it's just exciting to do things that aren't, uh, that are still fresh, you know, like as far as like uh, finding a new medium for yourself or a new outlet like that. So that's pretty cool to see that you're touching on all of that and in, in a pretty big way. Yeah, I mean, it was cool to do those. Um, it was it was great to have that that serial gig was um, <clears throat> was a gift from above, you know, because it led to a lot of other uh, jobs like that. And those are contract jobs. Like, I'm not I'm not emotionally um, invested in them per se. Um, right. I'm grateful that they exist because they they help uh, pay the rent. Um, but that was, that was definitely like, here's a job. Do you want it? And I, you know, I said yes. And then that, that, what it became was completely out of my control and definitely expectation, but, uh, it felt, um, it was a weird ride, but I was happy to, you know, I was happy to hitch a ride to it, I guess. And, and I got, I got other work through it. So it's not something that I, I didn't have that set in mind. Like, oh, I'm going to also do this, um, do like theme songs for podcasts. Right. I think but, that's kind of the cool thing about finding that type of work though, is that it's like, it's kind of nice to be able to be a little bit more emotionally detached from something for a change. Cause it's a little yeah. draining when you're writing songs all the time and it's, you you'd had you put so much into it. It's kind of nice to do something musical that isn't, uh, you know, you don't have to, not everything that you do musically has to be like super profound or super emotionally charged. Like, yeah, it's kind of a nice balance to have some things in there that are, you know, just coming from a different place, different yeah. side of your musical brain. Yeah, exactly. It's something I would never do <clears throat> on my own. So, and again, like, the, the the Spotify streaming rates are not um, they're not sustainable. So I have to do these little gigs, and it's and I'm fortunate that that it is within the realm of mu- music making, and and um, I get to be creative with it. So it's not like I'm you know I'm I'm fortunate enough that it's still um, enjoyable to do. Yeah, I kind of just think the variety of gigs in general is just kind of like the longer you're in the game, just having something like, oh, I haven't tried that before, or you know, let me take a crack at doing that kind of thing, just to mix it up, you know? Yeah. Is there anything like within that kind of uh, 
line of thinking that I mean, I know you said that you didn't seek out podcast work, but thinking about this kind of like side hustle stuff, is there anything that has ever crossed your mind that would be kind of fun to get a chance to do that you haven't really been able to nail down yet? I know that's a little broad, but. Um, well, with music, I mean, I scored a couple feature films and that that was a lot of hard work and I didn't quite love it. But doing something like that in TV <clears throat> seems like a it's a, a very consistent, you know, like a weekly kind of um, pro- product that comes out. That seemed like that seems like a uh, an interesting little job and um, financially remunerative you know it seems like um something a good gig to get um i also love the idea i have no interest in working towards it but uh being in a writer's room for like a a show or something um i've i've done it once or twice for a day for a friend's tv show but um not on a real scale and um that always seems fun seems kind of terrifying but uh but as far as just like getting to blue sky, some stupid ideas, you know, and and um, and be in a, a creative room like that where you're collaborating on something and seeing how other people's mind works, it seems beneficial to to the process, you know. Right. I mean, I, you know, in, in some of your music videos and things like that, I feel like you're kind of already uh, pretty well touching on the world of uh acting but have you ever like is there been anything in that kind of world that you know being in front of the camera appeals to you at all it kind of appeals to me it's fun it's hard but uh i've done a little bit of it the, the this one film i scored um i acted in as well and mostly because it was shooting in columbia the country and i'd never gone and so it was kind of like a paid vacation to go to go see this uh, country I'd, I'd wanted to go to and had no um, had no plan to go to before. So I'd, I'll definitely say yes to little acting gigs um, when they're brought my way. I've auditioned a few times and it's the most embarrassing, horrif- like mortifying experience. It's just so it's just completely cringe to uh to audition um i hate it so much but uh but acting's kind of fun it's really silly and embarrassing but it is kind of fun um and if people you know when people on the rare occasion that people ask me to do something um it's i'm always game to do it yeah i mean i think a, a huge part about kind of uh or something that would take the edge off of that kind of thing maybe not in the, a little bit harder to get over it in the terms of an audition but you know embarrassment i think being a musician you kind of have to get desensitized to that because you know in your early in everybody's early years there's like or all throughout their career there's things that are out of their control that happen technical difficulty wise whatever that it's true, true. kind of have to end up having thick skin about like all right you know not you know being able to push through any weird moment so you get the guitar plugged back in or you get whatever, you know, which is like, you know, just to where embarrassment or, you know, I feel like every musician is like kind of a, uh, you know, kind of almost dabbles in stand up in their attempts at 
talking to a crowd and there's plenty of times where you'll say something that just does not resonate or doesn't land. And you're just like, well, they're going to kind of get used to a little bit of embarrassment. Well, and the good thing is you have hopefully a guitar in your hand. And if, if the joke doesn't land or if there's an awkward moment, you can just plow through with a loud song, you know? Oh yeah. Um, Sometimes I kind of feel like the joke is the moment not landing though. You know, it's kind of, kind of fun when like a lot of times I feel like musicians will say things knowing that it's just going to go over everyone's head. And it's kind of like the confusion or the uh, lack of response is kind of almost the bit in itself, you know? Um, Yeah. I wonder that mercurial kind of um, persona, I think musicians definitely get a free pass to be, to be not that funny, but to be, you know, you, you definitely give, give a chuckle a little more to a musician who's, who's making like, a strange joke than you would a stand up or whatever, but right because it's like you don't expect them to have honed the crap, so they could yeah. get a little bit more uh, wiggle room with yeah with the yeah. Uh, approach. But yeah. then you know, there's no real right or wrong approach to you know more uh, intentional stand up either. So I guess it's no kind of kind of all part of just being the person with a microphone in front of you and trying to work it i guess right but we think of musicians t- typically it's the singer who who's doing the talking and they're a little more mysterious um you know in a sometimes like really um romanticized way so to hear them it can kind of just be almost shocking to hear them speak in like especially like a plain kind of way in a dry droll way or a sarcastic way um it can be kind of funny just just the bar is very low i think because it's like whoa this serious moody um emotional person who just put their heart out on the line is now saying something kind of uh unexpectedly like um cynical about you know the person in the front row or something like there's a there you get a pass for sure and it, it can be fun to play with that expectation but uh but yeah i think and i think there's that old uh adage about how um musicians want to be comedians and comedians want to be musicians i don't know how oh, well yeah. that but you hear that all the time and i think there's i mean not with everyone of course but i think there is a big there's a lot of examples of it for sure but it's certainly not uh universal yeah yeah um but you know i think one could influence the other in a positive way like if you were a musician and wanted to take take a crack at you know I, i've i've never done anything stand-up related in my life but i feel like people are always say like oh the you know the hardest part is just like getting the nerves to get up there it's like well you know i feel like i've looked like an idiot plenty of times in a in a situation with a on a with the lights on you or whatever like so it's not like you know it just kind of makes it where you would at least get over the i feel like it would take some of the edge off of just the process of you know putting yourself out there like that um yeah definitely. but it doesn't necessarily mean you're funny you know what i mean it just means that you're willing to try probably a little quicker than somebody who yeah hasn't already kind of crossed that threshold and that fearlessness is kind of what's required to um to to go further in any craft i think and and yeah. i think the older that's why it f- sort of favors the young the youth because you are 
you're a little less uh, uptight or concerned about being correct or being, you know, you, you have this, you haven't honed your sense of humility at, at a young age and, and your, um, your hubris is definitely off the charts. I know that that's how I think I got out of the gate was just because we thought the unicorns was, was the best. We were, we were like, we're, we're a great band. We didn't second guess, even when we fucked up on stage and it, I was not thrown by it. You know, we thought it was kind of funny. Like, Oh, we, we, uh, we, we shit the bed with that, that show or, got too drunk or got where we were angry and we're, we're fighting and weren't getting along, but it was all part of, it was all part of something bigger and, um, and it was okay. And then the older you get, you kind of get in your head a little bit, you get a little more, um, I don't know, self-conscious. I, I, I think, I think that comes with age. I don't know. I think it comes with a little bit of wisdom or, or, or neuroses, but, uh, but um, you need that, at the start, you need to be kind of fearless um, in any pursuit, I think. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, I feel like that kind of leap first kind of approach is it really does benefit a lot of people. I mean, I'm sure that there's, you know, there's just tons of people who spend so much time. Like I just, I could name a thousand friends over the years who've you know, had plenty of, beautiful songs that they've just like honed forever and will never probably uh be completely satisfied with because they can just tinker and tinker and tinker and sometimes you just kind of gotta like put a fork in something and uh you know be willing to just let it let it go you know um there's a little bit of fearlessness in that too because once it's done it's done you know um you can't be precious yeah it's easy to get that way but Uh, I think it benefits your process overall if you can kind of get past that and you know I think taking your time is important too but there's maybe just you know happy medium between the two yeah definitely so I mean there's there's a a lot of musical uh projects of yours that I've like you know there's varying degrees of uh of what I know the backstory on but you know I know you have like quite a few uh records that kind of touch on like the hip-hop genre i did not realize until recently that that lp collaboration happened how how did that really come about did you guys know each other for a while before then um we lived in the same neighborhood in brooklyn in clinton hill and i'd run into him at a coffee shop and just told him i was a fan of of company flow and um, Cannibal Ox, the produ- all the production he'd done in those early Def Jux records. And uh, this was in 2010 or 2009, I guess. And he'd, he'd, um, he said he, he had liked the unicorns too. He was a fan of the unicorn stuff and just said, Hey, we should, he was kind of re kind of um, in the process of redecorating I guess he was trying to figure out what his next steps were he was in a bit of a lull I think at that period that was pre-run the jewels so he was trying out new things I think his manager had said like just collaborate with people just to try to get some new collaborations going so he he offered he said hey let's call out let's work on some stuff and so I I moved I went to his place I ended up leaving New York but um and he moved to 
Williamsburg, a loft in Williamsburg. And I would go to his, when I was back in town, I would stay with him actually, because I had nowhere to stay and we would record and we made about 12 beats that I was going to sing on. And um, in his style of beat, uh, you know, production, which is really good. And it was really cool. And, um, and then, you know, a couple of things got in the way and, and it just never, we never, we released one song under the name Stepson and uh, he just kind of threw it out there. And um, then, and then obviously he was also collaborating with Killer Mike and that just kind of caught fire and he put out a solo record. And um, one of the songs that we were working on kind of just ended up on that record. And so we played Letterman with that single um, off of his last solo record. And then he and then he started working on Run the Jewels. And that obviously took uh, took off. And so he was focused on that. But, um, you know, he's a good dude and like worked so hard <clears throat> for so long. So it was great to see him get his, you know, his flowers or whatever. Yeah, absolutely, man. I I love those records and kind of feel like they've. Uh, I don't know, it was like the that that first record came out and there was like the simmer and then it just really seemed like it, uh, just like you said, took off from there, which is really yeah. exciting for them. But yeah, um, yeah man. I mean, uh, are there any projects that you're able to speak on uh, that you're sort of collaborating on right now? Or are you kind of working more independently? I'm working on a new islands record at the moment. Um, we're slowly chipping away at it. It's some recording I've been doing and we're just kind of tweaking and then re-recording. It's very like granular. I think the following mm -hmm. islands record that I, I do have planned for um, not this one I'm working on now, but the following one um, right. I want it to be de definitely more ragged and live and off the floor. This one's, more in the hip hop production. I, when I islands took five years off, I tried making beats for a while. Um, just to just, I'd always loved hip hop production. And so I wanted to try, um, see if I could, could, could swing it. Um, I couldn't really swing it, but I made a bunch of beats and it was fun. And, but from there I got just sort of into the idea of songwriting, um, from that perspective, from that mode, so the next record that's forthcoming, the Islands record, I don't, we're still finishing it up. I don't know when it would be out, but it's definitely comes from that world. That was where I was, um, that's where my head was at. So it's got the kind of, that kind of BPM um, and like boom bappiness to it, I guess. Um, nice. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It's definitely like through the filtered through my, songwriting but it's uh it's a lot of drum machines and a lot of like minimal kind of production and stuff it's cool it's 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 fun and then i'm working um got a record recorded we we need to like mix it and stuff but uh with mike from ratatat we started a little project called the cream um and we're trying to He's been busy with his new project, Ratatat, post Ratatat. Um, so, so he's working away on his new new project. But we have this one; it's kind of sitting in the vaults right now. I hope it can come out because it's pretty special. 
Um, I want people to hear it, but uh, that's yeah, I'm excited to hear how how you two kind of work together, man. I feel like uh, you've kind of, I mean, it's been really fun to watch from like, you know, uh, you know, that first Islands record until now. Like, there's just been this really fun growth and lots of uh, new kind of musical touch points coming in. But I feel like you've really like honed that in, especially on uh, that last record, Islamania. There's like really nice blend of uh kind of production styles in there like i mean i can tell there's definitely you know electronic drums in there but it's it's a pretty good mix of acoustic and electric in there at least it sounds it right it's hard to tell yeah. these days because the drum machine sounds so fucking real now you know <laughs> yeah no I, I always love like a nice blend like you get you get a live kit for sure you get a live drum and then you can kind of accentuate, you know, the snare or, or um, the hi-hats, you can kind of modify them or alter them or, you know, add to them. Um, And I think, I think it's a really nice blend to have, have the electronic and the organic kind of mixing in together. It creates this new realm or something. And, uh, but yeah, passionate age is, is that's how Mike and I, connected was he um he played on one of the songs closed captioning that chris cody produced on the new record isla mania he came into mm-hmm. unset sound where we were recording he was in town laid down some guitar on it and then invited me to his um his house in upstate new york where he had a studio and we recorded uh, a couple songs there and got along so well we decided to start a little kind of side project with music he'd had been working on and I was going to like sing on and, and, and contribute in that way. Um, but one of the songs that, uh, the song that made it from that um, session was passionate age. So you can kind of hear the rat-a-tat um, sound, I think, or, or Mike's uh, side of the, that sound um, on that song. That was a song I brought <clears throat> to him and then he, just kind of laid his magic all over it. Yeah. Yeah, man, I, I, I did not realize that that uh, connection was kind of already, you know, making some musical moments happen. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, so on these Alamania and all of these, uh, you know, there's quite a few... Um, Islands records out there, but we, so I'm sure some of them are you and some of them not maybe, but uh, are you kind of pretty heavy involved in the art direction? And I know there's not as much drawing involved on these album covers, but are you doing any of the graphic design work or any of that kind of stuff? Yeah. With, um, with Islands, it always feels a little more serious to, to have cartoon uh, images, but yeah, I'm always, um, in each cover, I'm, I'm, I'm deeply involved in the creative process. Um, with this new one, with Isla Mania, uh, my co- a friend and a, a dear friend and, and collaborator, um, he's a great photographer as well as a documentarian, he shot that uh, photo. And so we drove up. I had this idea of, you know, this um, these designers called a uh, hypnosis from the you know 60s and 70s and through the 80s and 90s too but their peak was kind of in the 70s they designed a lot of zeppelin and the who and pink floyd covers um they were 
they were kind of the best of the best. Storm Thorgerson was the main guy in this collective called Hypnosis. Um, they they would take these album covers, they would make these album covers that felt like a, a story, like a, a kind of a narrative happening on the cover where you feel like there's a beginning, a middle, an end, or a before and an after. And so I had this idea for Isla Mania um, to kind of subvert that title, which you know refers to a love of islands, um, to drop the 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 narrator, which was portrayed by a friend of mine, Alex Karpovsky, um, into a desert, into a place with no water, with no islands. Um, so so it's this kind of this longing for uh, for something that he loves, I guess. So we had this scene where. He's got a parachute attached to him and he's holding a, a map and he's dragging a suitcase. So, so the implication being that, you know, his plane crash landed and um, he's trying to find his way to, uh, to water, which, which he needs doubly because he's, uh, he's in a desert, you know, without, without a drop to drink. So, um, so that was kind of the playful nature of that. And Jason's an amazing photographer. So we went up to, we went up to the, uh, to death Valley, to these dunes up there and shot it there. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I, I uh, found the picture striking. Uh, and as uh, silly as it sounds, I just like, I didn't necessarily uh, really connect the desert to lack of islands kind of, uh, juxtaposition there but I, I i love that it's kind of a fun little tidbit um yeah i mean do you feel like um you kind of have an idea of where what the uh the, i know you have two projects in the works for islands but are you already kind of spitballing in your head some of the art direction on that or do you feel like it kind of comes a little later in the process um no i i, I think it kind of is concurrent sometimes sometimes it comes later but uh, usually as you're developing, you start to formulate an idea. And I have, I have an idea. Um, the next title, the next album is called, um, and that's why dolphins lost their legs, uh, which sort of refers to um, the fact that dolphins, you know, used to walk on land. They used to have arms and or legs. And at some point said, fuck this, I'm going back in the water. Um, I don't want to be here anymore. So it's kind of like a, a, a humorous sort of uh, take on just give kind of like saying I'm out, you know, kind of giving up. Um, and that, that kind of search for water again, you know. And again, the search for water, exactly. So uh, I, yeah. I feel like you, is it, I mean, you're, you're kind of, you've been near water your whole life. I mean, is that, you feel like that's like, there's got to be something to that, right? There's something to it, man. Yeah, it was no no coincidence that I named the band Islands. I mean, I'd lived on an island until I moved to L.A. I'd, I'd lived on an island my entire life in some form or another. Montreal is an island. Lived on Vancouver Island. In northern B.C., I lived on an island. Um, I lived in Brooklyn, which is on Long Island. Um, so, you know, I've, I've more or less had been on been surrounded by water um give or take for for my whole life so i definitely feel a strong connection and it's as as a lyrical um 
conceit or whatever. It's it's always served me well, I think. Do you ever do you spend a lot of time on the water? Like any uh any like small fishing boats or anything in your life growing no. up or uh my dad worked on the water when I was a kid. So okay. I would spend I would spend time out out on the water. I like looking at it more than I like being in it, under it, or on it. Um, I hear that it's a it's a little more frightening when you when you're in the mix with it. But yeah, uh, choppy waters. Around here, there's a lot of like really, you know, within an hour drive of where I'm at, you can get to a lot of really cool uh, swamps and things. And there's a there's this like transformative place that I go to called Sparkleberry Swamp, and I've got like a seven foot plastic pontoon boat that i can put in the back of my truck just throw it in myself and drive it there and plop it in whoa i have a little electric motor on it so i'm not hurting the environment just get that thing charged up and it's like golf cart on water but it's all i need that sounds amazing i'm telling you man it there's there's a there's some water that is not so scary and is super super uh powerful i mean you can you can really feel like you're uh, away from it all in oh, yeah. certain places, you know? Oh, yeah. It's essential. Definitely. Yeah, man. I mean, California, I mean, I'm preaching to the choir here. I, you know, California's just got the most amazing, like, natural beauty to it. I spent a lot of time there as a kid going to visit a brother of mine, and he was big, and we did, like, 80 miles of the John Muir Trail when I was in high school, and it's just oh, wow. unreal out there. It is. Um, it is. But yeah, man, I, I'm hoping to be in that area in September. So maybe I'll uh, be lucky enough to do a little bit of nature hangs while I'm out there. But um, man, it, it was, yeah, there is, man. There's so much. I mean, I would love to see Joshua Tree. So many places that I haven't seen yet. But yeah, you got even it. right outside of the city, all the Santa Monica uh, mountain range stuff. Tons to see there. Definitely. But, uh, you know, Nick, I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. Um, like I said, you know, I've enjoyed your music for a long time. So it was really nice to get a chance to kind of pick your brain a bit. Thanks so much, man. I really appreciate chatting. Absolutely. Man. We'll have a good day and hopefully we'll uh, cross paths some other time. I hope so. All right. Thanks, Dylan. See you, Nick. All right. Take care. This has been... A Comfort Monk production.